Is this thing on? Cool. Hi, and welcome to the next episode of Uncultured, the podcast. I'm your host, Kripa. Here to add a little bit of colour to your weeks. Nasal Kripa is back this week, so that's really exciting for all of you. This week, I got to sit down with the main cast of The Daily Grind, a theatrical production put forward by Maya Youth and Arts, a primarily South Asian registered charity. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Sanjana, Isa, Nikin and Para about their personal experiences and journeys. The main thing I really took from this episode was as South Asians, we're pushed so much into art because art is such a fundamental part of our culture. Yet when we look to pursue it as a profession, it's immediately rejected. And it was really interesting to talk to the four of them on their different journeys of experiencing art as both a hobby and as a profession. Less than a month out from the show, we start by having a chat with director Sri Ram and chatting about what it's like to lead 116 people towards a theatrical production. Here's Sri Ram. Sriram, hi. Welcome to Uncultured, the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Uh, the pleasure is mine. Thanks for having me. I remember my first Maya show that I watched. I must have been, oh, yeah. say Which one? I was like 10 or 11 years old, like to be arranged. Oh, the first one, the very first was it, one. Was that yeah, the first yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. My cousin was in that and right. I remember coming along. 10 years. 10 years. I think this is year 11. Wow. Or the 11th show. Tell me, to, for listeners who, who don't know what yeah. Maya is. Uh, Maya is a youth performing arts organization. And the beauty of Maya is that it's, a, it's an organization run for youth, by youth. And Maya's aim is to provide a platform and, and a safe environment for youth to explore the extent of their creative passions to really enrich their artistic talents. The second big aim for Maya is to, is to make some really valuable uh, contributions to charity. So I think over the last 10 years, approximately around, you know, um, an excess of $150,000 has been contributed wow. to, to local and international charities. And that, in essence, is what Maya is. I think it epitomizes what can happen when like-minded people can band together, yeah. do something they love. Do they volunteer their time? Yeah, they're, they're volunteering their, their time and sometimes their money as well. A Daily Grind is about four friends, uh, four high school friends that decide to purchase a cafe together. Now, each of these friends is going through their own kind of personal struggles. And the story is about, is, it's about growth. It's about the growth of the cafe, the growth of the friends, um, the growth of their relationships, the relationships with themselves and with each other uh, and, and with the regular visitors um, that come to the cafe. So I want people to come to the show and uh, feel emotion. So I think a lot of times we go to shows and we're entertained which is fantastic, but I, I want people to take something away and then to use that to, to start a conversation. Is that what success is then? For me, yes. Success is also every single person that is a part of There's 116 people that are a part of this team. I want each one of those 116 people to feel like they've achieved something in the last 15 months. The show is primarily South Asian and Maya in general is for South Asian arts. Am I right to assume that? I guess it ended up becoming, you know, very much a South Asian organization. A lot of that is because the, the, the social dynamic, you, your friends are involved, therefore you become involved and, you know, like attracts like. The show has a, has a strong South Asian influence. I think a lot of the characters have got, got a very strong South Asian influence. However, I think it is a show that will appeal to, to everyone. That's what Maya has become. 
performing in theatre isn't something that is conventionally a South Asian hobby. And, yeah, you do find the anomaly one or two here and there kind of pursuing either a career in it or doing it as a hobby. But to have 116 people band together towards this one cause, I think that's what really intrigues me about it and makes it quite beautiful. Yeah, I think Maya's got people from all different walks of life. You know, you've got budding doctors, you've got paramedics, you've got people that, you know, play Oztag three days a week. Uh, You have lawyers, you have every, you know, the full spectrum. We're all united by this passion for the performing arts and this need to find a way to express ourselves um, and to make a, a worthwhile contribution to charity. So I think everyone's got talent that is just outside of a new traditional kind of nine to five. It's about harnessing that and doing something with it. Hi, my name is Sanjana and I'm a full-time quality assurance engineer. I'm Para and I'm a physio. Hi, I'm Nikin and I'm an actor and a writer. Hi, my name is Sriram. I'm currently a process improvement specialist in banking and financial services. Hi, I'm Isa and I'm a lawyer. Stereotypically, children of immigrants are often steered into a conventional career in medicine, engineering, law, accounting. I can definitely relate to that. I think I'm also a victim of being stuck in that cycle. I guess if you do choose those pathways, where does performing arts fit in, either as a full-time career or as kind of a hobby on the side? Well, I'm an engineer by day and a performing artist by night. And the first time I was introduced to performing arts was when I was about five. So I started learning South Indian classical dance form called Pratnatin. And since then, I've continued it. In 2019, I did my Arangetram and that really changed my perspective of art. Arangetram is like a debut performance, a solo dance recital. It's like a graduation. Yes, it's like a graduation. But often people perceive Arangetrams as, okay, well, I've achieved that. I no longer need to pursue it. But for me, it was the beginning. And it started that fire in me to pursue it. There was this one point in my career where I was thinking, hey, I want to pursue performing arts as a professional career. I'm still working as an engineer now. But what I, what I thought then was you can still strike a balance between your conventional career path as well as your passion. So at that point, I realized that I don't want to look at something that I love doing as a job. I think I just had to find, I guess, a role or a company that would support my passion for performing arts. And that's where I'm at currently. By not looking at something that you love as a job, is that to prevent yourself from not loving it anymore, to finding it as a chore? I don't want the stress of not making a living out of it interfere with my genuine love for it. So that's the reason why I pursued, you know, working in a conventional career path and also pursuing this on the side. I think as a Bharatanatyam teacher, it is a tangible thing to be able to make a living out of it. What else is stopping you? I don't think I've pushed myself as much. I think what I'm doing now with acting is actually pushing myself outside my comfort zone in the first place. But yes, it's it's a very different kind of challenge and I've never really used my voice on stage. So that's completely, you know, something very new to me. I think personally for me, performing arts in such a busy schedule with all those jobs you've mentioned is the time for yourself to really sit down and just de-stress. That's what I use it for. I'm actually a Murudangam player. It's actually another South Indian classical drum and I've been learning it for the last 16 years. When you are in a busy schedule like that, when you're working as a doctor, lawyer, I'm a physio myself, when you have that avenue to go to and sit down and just 
concentrate on that, you realize the amount of calm and just that lack of stress. Therapeutic. Yeah, it's very therapeutic. And when you go and you realize the effect it has on you, just for growth, cultural growth, because you're in roots with your culture, you realize that it's because you have such a connection, you're actually able to do all these other things. Mm. So it's actually the other way around. So I'm able to do more, able to invest more in my physiotherapy career, do more because I have this time where I'm able to do stress. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't blame them for this stereotype because, again, people like our parents, everyone has been grown up to be like education first, focus on that, and then everything comes after. But I think slowly when you start to show them that there is this element of doing cultural arts, it's possible, then they'll soon tend to realize. Do you think that the culture is one that's conducive to growing us as artists? To them, financial security and having a good reputation is utmost the most important. So to them, when you invest when you invest in time doing cultural reforms, to them it's like, is that going to be compromised? Mm-hmm. So as long as you're maintaining that and you're still showing them that you can still do good in those fields that matter to them, when you tackle a cultural avenue, when you invest in it, it's never a concern for them. Yeah. But say when you make that a priority and you're not making enough money or the reputation in the community is that, or he left his job just so he can do music, then it becomes an issue. Even at that time, I strongly believe if you love what you really love to do, you will figure out a way. I know that in our culture, there's no shortage of art. We are a very rich culture, whether it's dance, whether it's music, but there's only so much we're allowed to do with that art and the idea of becoming professionals and professional artists you're right there's a risk associated to it yeah because can that maintain you financially can that will that provide you a good reputation good prestige what's the connotations associated with pursuing a dream that isn't conventional so i've been in an environment like that like i've seen the parents shift their mindset completely just seeing their children happy Hmm. Right, And after a while, they don't care about how much you make or what you do. If they see that their child gets up every day, they're smiling, they're happy, and they're doing what they love to do, and they're growing as a person, That's they eventually come around. But the key point is we have to be responsible to show them that. Mm. If we give up, say because my mom was like, oh, don't do this, you're going to affect your work life, and we give up, then we don't really give them yeah. that opportunity because it's not their fault. Their parents brought them up in such a way where they showed that this is what's important. Yeah. So they don't really... It's a mentality that's hard to kind of change. But it is possible to change. So I did choose one of those pathways. So I did study law and I've practiced for quite a while. For me personally, I think where performing arts fits in is it's a creative outlet that I don't get in my job. My nine to five, it's by the books, it's by the rules, it's you know either legislation and we're not able to express that creativity. My parents have always encouraged me to be involved in creative arts. Since I was like about five, I was put into dance, I was put into Tamil school and you know we were doing acting and speech. And so for me, I was brought up in a way where it was okay for me to explore those creative aspects and what I enjoyed but at the same time it was you got to also do well Mm. in your studies and I think how do you find that balance I think I found it quite hard at the start because when you're young obviously you're sent to like 50 different tutors and while those exams come up my parents were like okay take a pause take a break on dance you got to focus on your education first and I think It's hard to find that balance, but 
if you really, really want to do something, you can push those boundaries and you can make it work. Like, for example, with the Maya show, we work nine to five. Some of us, you know, work nine to six, nine to seven, and we still make it in time for rehearsals twice a week, plus dance for like four hours on a Sunday. And you go home, you pack up, you pack your lunch and you sleep and work the next day. And it's so enjoyable and it's so fast paced. It's so good to have that outlet. Um, well, the problem with me is I didn't choose one of those pathways, effectively known as the the family disappointment. So, <laughs> But so my career trajectory and my career pathways have always been arts related. Because of that, like I don't have the typical nine to five because the job opportunities are significantly less. My actual goal and actually what my career is now is that when people ask me, I say I'm an amateur actor and I'm an amateur writer because uh, my day consists of majority writing. And then um, if I shoot, if I have a shoot available I'll, I'll go to that as well you know really hone in on, on my yeah. creative side a little bit because i really wanted to commit to that which i think is the equivalent of everyone else going and studying at uni or so on so on and so forth so yeah my mum and dad have worked nine to five for their whole entire lives so to see their youngest son their baby boy go and do a degree and then he's at home most of the time now where most young men are out working a nine to five it's difficult for them too because they can't compute it they don't understand I'm very fortunate. You know, my parents are very supportive. Rather than seeing their kids traditionally successful, they just want to see their kids happy. It's, it's, you have to reassess how you measure success because it, it's not going to be the same as everyone mm, and else. Especially when you combine that with working in the performing arts, there isn't that kind of validation for parents to kind of go, I'm getting heaps of money from this and this is going to sustain me. And don't worry, mom and dad, like I'm going to be absolutely fine. You can't really say that until you have something to show for it. I think that's the hard thing yeah. because you need to keep self-motivated, I yeah, guess. Yeah, 100%, especially for South Asian parents because arts, like what is arts? Arts is what you pursue in your yeah. spare time as a child, not something you pursue as an adult. What message do you have for left brain South Asians who haven't considered looking for a creative outlet? A lot of the time people think a creative outlet has to be something that's publicized, whether it's dancing or acting or, you know, performing in something big. But you don't realize that even baking or cooking or like exploring new recipes or trying something at home, writing, you know, drawing, sketching, whatever that is, is still a creative outlet. And every single person, whether you're right-brained or left-brained, has that creative outlet. It actually reminds me, I think, honestly, I think it was a meme that I saw, but it was something like normalize not having to commodify our hobbies. Yeah. Like we don't have to be the best at dancing. Exactly. We don't have to be the best at singing to do mm. any of those things. And I think that because of the way that our society is geared, you have to be good and you can't do it if you're not good. Yeah. It's interesting that people are usually turned away from it because they don't feel like they are welcome to that space. And that's something that a lot of South Asian kids hear ever since they're young. Stop drawing, stop playing, you know, whether it's go and do some homework or have you finished this homework? Have you done this? We're sort of turned away from doing those creative things. When you're older, you don't realize that it's okay to let yourself explore that creative outlet. And for someone who works in like a nine to five where it's very, very analytical and methodical and, you know, it's qu quite high pressure, you need that outlet to really let loose. And when your own parents see you getting better as a person because of this creative outlet, it's because they've been taught that this view 
is actually detrimental. It will bring you down as a person. So the first message you have to send back to them is that it's actually beneficial for you. So look at all these very successful people in this world. Like we've got to break it down and find out why they're so against it, right? And that's often because of the stereotype they've brought up, their own belief systems, their rules that they make. But the first and foremost message is just letting them know that it's yeah. actually a good thing. But they won't believe it straight away. So you've got to take the time to explain to them and be like, Look, it's because I have this, I'm able to do this. I think it's a, it's a process to get through to people that way. And you're right, kind of breaking it down and understanding what exactly is it about a creative outlet that is is so bad. Like as in it, it's, it's proven to be therapeutic, proven to be helpful, proven to make you a better person. So what are some reasons that you would come up with to stop your children? I mean, job security, focus, yeah. focus on your career, focus on studying because you need to be the best of the best of the best. So that's the kind of stuff. And I think that's the rhetoric. You'll have to remind me again. Sorry. Left brain is. Left brain is the analytical one. Yeah. So... Personally, I would encourage them to pursue it because I do know that a lot of left brain people, they actually secretly do want to pursue arts. And the reason I know this is because when I told my colleagues at work that, hey, I'm pursuing acting, I'm going to be performing, I do dance on the side. They often tell me they want to learn too or they want to perform too. They want to do it as, I guess, a release, as a form of fitness. But they fear that they're not good enough because they've always kind of been brought up with pursuing their conventional career path. Yeah, we were, we were saying before how like art is so commodified now. You have to be good at it in order to do it. And that's not necessarily the case. You can be just doing it to enjoy it. I wouldn't say that like a creative outlet is definitely defined by anything in the arts. If you feel creatively fulfilled playing a sport, or cooking, or spending time with your family, or going and seeing plays, or viewing art in any way, shape, or form. I would say just pursue things that fulfill you or make you happy. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, the arts is supposed to, it's supposed to trigger an, an emotion in you. It's supposed to be like the purest form of expression in that way. And made to be consumed as well as performed. Exactly. Actually, my brother's my biggest influence when it comes to anything that I pursue in terms of acting. Because he actually introduced me to a lot of movies in particular. He's a full-time, he has a full-time job. He doesn't pursue that much creatively outside of it besides playing a little bit of guitar. But he loves watching films. That's like his big passion. And he'll even watch a terrible film. I think like if your therapeutic kind of release, it might not be seen as artistic, but it's something that gives you that kind of release. That's the most important thing. Now, not everyone's going to be Beethoven. Not everyone is going to be Leonardo DiCaprio. Not everyone is going to be an amazing singer. If you try it and it gives you that kind of sense of fulfillment, then that should be your motivation. Like you mentioned before that um, not everyone is going to be good at it and that's okay. You should sing off key. If you if, if you love singing, you, should, you should continue singing. And that's 100% truth. 100% that's what you should do. But if you really do want to get better at something, you have to understand that there's a certain level of work that goes into the foundation and you can still enjoy that process and enjoy the fruits of that labor later on. But there are going to be times where it's going to be difficult. I was pigeonholed into a particular character, the one that smiles, maybe takes his shirt off every now and then, looks kind of cute, whatever. When I was given that piece of criticism, I at some point was like, am I really going to be a good actor? Am I really going to be a good artist? And at times I was like, "Do I should I start considering other avenues of 
work. Questioning myself and kind of seeing how I was at the time was very important for me. What's to stop you from diversifying whatever characters you might want to play in the future, which is actually what brought me to the play more. At the start, I actually auditioned for a different character. Mm-hmm. I I was immediately drawn to him. But Pera walked into the room 15, 20 minutes late with a swagger in his step. And throughout the audition, he just he he was just so fitted for that. Even I couldn't deny. But then I asked myself that same question. Like, if you really want to do this, you'll take whatever role you can get and you'll give it 150%. And I said, this is your chance to kind of work. You know what I'm saying? Like really change a little bit. Really Challenge yourself. Exactly, exactly. And then people don't really understand that. Sometimes as artists, we kind of get comfortable in the zone that we're in because that's the stuff that made us popular. That's the stuff we that- We know gets we're you. good at it. Exactly, yeah. And that's like the problem sometimes. It's like with art, it's seen as this thing that it's supposed to be this thing that just fulfills you. It's yeah. supposed to fulfill you, but it can also challenge you. Like just like anything else, you just have to approach it with the right mindset. Mm-hmm. And when you put in the work- God, it feels so great because then it fuels you to do the next thing. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of people tend to kind of go, I don't want to make this a full-time thing because I'm going to stop loving it because it requires the grind. That's when it becomes a choice. It's not a right or wrong choice. It's just what's suited to each individual. I think, yeah, you can choose for it to be an outlet. You can choose for it to be a hobby and it is incredibly fulfilling, but there is also the opportunity to take it to the next level. And I think that's what a lot of South Asian families don't recognize, that that ability to take it to the next level is something that can be a cornerstone of success. How have you personally grown from being involved in theatre and in this production of Maya? I've personally grown in that I'm going out of my comfort zone. So this New Year's resolution, one of my biggest priorities is to do things that I'm not comfortable with. So I've been on stage as a musician for like the last 10 years. And so me personally, it's challenging, right? Even though the character is a bit like me, it's still pretty challenging to deliver your lines. I don't care about what people think of me after this show or like what everyone else thinks of me. I just want to be able to go back and be like, I'm so happy that I took this challenge on board and that I was able to improve as a person. Committing to rehearsals working full-time, memorizing lines, listening to feedback. So you're tired from work going, sure, I'm going to give you feedback, trying to process that. It's a lot mentally. Yeah. It seems very easy, but... No, it doesn't. (laughs) This would train you to be like, I believe, I'm a big fan of David Goggins, and he always says, when you struggle, when you keep struggling, is only the time when you evolve as a person. I think over the past couple of, well, one year almost, I've grown personally in that the character that I'm playing is so different to how I am personally. People often know me as really reserved, quiet, but when I'm performing, when I'm on stage, I can that completely changes. You're no longer yourself. You kind of surrender yourself to the character. And I've experienced that through dance and now I'm experiencing it through acting as well. So it's someone who's completely different. Like Priya's empowered. She's bold. She stands up for herself. Yeah, there have been so many times where I feel like how would how would Priya had have reacted in a certain situation? What would Priya do? <laughs> yeah, what would Priya do? I think it's an, enabled me in my like in 
personally as well in my work, I've been able to be very transparent, speak my mind without fearing how other people are going to feel. Because currently, I think I do have that sense of, oh, okay, I should, I should probably be diplomatic, approach things in a very polite way. But I've learned so much from playing Priya. So that's the beauty of, you know, acting. You get to play someone who you may not be um, and then even learn from it. A lot of the time I'm very independent and this whole production taught me that sometimes you've got to be really willing and good at working as a team because you can't let anyone down. If I don't rock up to a rehearsal, that's going to affect every other person in that rehearsal. It really helped me with my commitment. It really challenged me in terms of time management. All of this carries on to our daily life because after this show, we're still going to be using the skills that we gained from acting and from being a part of this production. It was very much out of my comfort zone as well. I've uh, danced, I've acted through dancing. To be able to do that and also try to get really good chemistry with the characters, I think that carries on to your work and your personal life as well. Shiram, now that we've heard from the cast, it's clear that this show means so much for so many of them. And like Nikin mentioned, it is more than just about performing, it's also about consuming. So what can audiences take away from this? What message do you want to send out with the show? Yeah, so you'll hear this a lot when you come to the show, but this show is about real people, real problems, real progress. And the fact that it's so real and close to home uh, is, is very important. There's a few things I want to I achieve with the show. The first thing is, in a very small way, I want to open the dialogue around mental health in, in the South Asian community. Everyone's fighting their own battles. Everyone's going through something. So it's really up to us to be kind. And I think kindness and compassion goes a long way. But I'm hoping that every member of the audience can find a part of themselves in this show. You know, I certainly hope that people will smile, will laugh. There are moments where I hope people will cry. It's an entertaining show that will hit you in the feels. You'll be supporting a great charity. So Pamera Projects is an Australian charity that does a lot of work in parts of Sri Lanka. And their philosophy is, is around, there's, there's an old proverb that says, you know, give a man a fish, uh, you feed him for a day, but teach a man how to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. So they go into villages and really plan out what a five to ten year plan looks like. And at the end of the five to ten years, they need to exit from the village, allow the villagers to be um, stand on their own two feet and support other villages. So every $250 that we raise allows us or allows Palmera to be able to um, set up one villager. So by coming to this show, you're indirectly helping to change someone's life. 116 odd people have been working for the last 15 months juggling multiple priorities whether it be family university work and putting in hours blood sweat and tears uh, to pull this off so every single member of the audience is there to support us so by coming to this show you know, it's almost a sense of validation, but a, yeah. but a sense of support. And it allows organizations like Maya to keep doing what they're doing. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's been lovely chatting with all of you. I think that's all we have time for, yeah. but thank you. Thank you so much. And I think that you guys are setting an awesome example for 
creating a space where people can latch on to that inner creative that a lot of us have and not a lot of us harness. Thank you. Thanks very much. So thank you. And where can listeners find you? Facebook is Maya Youth and Performing Arts or Maya Arts on Instagram. You can follow us at Uncultured Pod on Instagram and I guess we'll see you next week. Bye. 